Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. Today well, is just- I, <laughs> so, sorry. That's a good start to this podcast just based <laughs> on our theme today, though. What Mel and I have decided to do with the podcast today, we're just sitting here and prior to pressing the record button, we were just kind of having these like little moments holding space for each other and the fact that life is just what it is. And so we decided our podcast today is, I guess, we're we're going to vent to you guys and we're going to share some of our stressors and share some of our, how stress responds or what, I guess, changes in our body, in our life, in our routine. And then, I don't know, maybe if we're really on the ball, we'll see how it goes. We could actually like bring up some coping mechanisms, but... We'll just, we're just gonna roll with it today. We might have to consult future me because present me just like has gone. Uh, what is it called? A lobotomy when you have a brain excision? Oh, I was gonna say a wall, but that's a different type of term. Yeah. <laughs> different category. It's a, that speaks to where I feel I'm at, though. I'm like yeah. I am on the front lines of life right now, or that's how it feels anyway. Going a wall. Hmm. So tell me about your stress, Mel. Tell me well, about what's going on in your body. I'll tell you what my TikTok searches were right before <laughs> right before we started was do I have IBS? Because <laughs> like, we did, I went to a yoga class today. It was at Centered on Center, and the teacher was Drina Walmsley. If you haven't taken one of her classes and you're stressed, it's a must do. I was it was so grounding and so beautiful, but. In it, we were in like a set up for a little bridge and she had us like massage into our hip flexors and I went into my low belly and I was like, there is some serious pain here. Um, and I'd been feeling it a bit. I used to get IBS like, and I had chronic gastritis as a kid, a uh, teenager. I stressed a lot. I was always anxious and haven't had it for a long time. We've got lots going on. And I was in there digging around and I was like, oh, ah. Oh. And then I'm like, this is IBS. So I was searching it up. And and then I noticed like, so I, I know it's inflamed, right? Like there's inflammation there. It's because I've been eating nothing but carbs. <laughs> like last night for dinner, I had nachos. And um, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have a glass of wine tonight. And then I still do. And I know that that still keeps it inflamed as well. And it's just like, I think when you like in yoga nidra and in yoga philosophy, it's called a samskara, the like the riverbeds of thought. And I think when I'm in my healthy state and I'm not stressed, I can stay in the less grooved, newer pathways of intention but the moment I become stressed, it's like, whoop, the flood comes in and I go right over into that well-worn path. And that's like, um, not taking, uh, I've been doing this great tea in the morning that's, um, got cayenne pepper, olive oil, real lemon. And then I mix it in with lemon ginger tea. And it was just making me feel so good. And I literally have not done that since Thursday. Today was my first day. And I was like, why do I do that? because I want to feel bad. You know, like you go into that lower frequency and that's all I can say about stress is it's a bit addictive and a little contagious. <laughs> it's contagion. It's, it's so interesting. Just just for, uh, I might have, I have so many things to say on this, but for one, my I'm like wondering if there's just some sort of collective theme here because I have 
had IBS symptoms for almost three weeks with mm. no change or explanation. And in fact, I have cut things like I haven't also drank coffee because I'm like, oh, I can't risk it. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't, I can't move things along. They're already moving too quick. I can't add like nitro. onto. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so just that, that I'm like, hmm, maybe there's something going on, but, um, <laughs> I realized something I visual so, <laughs> that gave me a visual. <laughs> um, I had this really funny realization, um, I don't know, actually recently, and I don't know why it kind of popped into my head, but just just to flip coin as far as like, I, I just, I don't know, uh, the, my, the uh, recovering eating disorder person of me always likes to remove food and consumption stigmas. And so um, obviously if you're consuming something and it is like an A to B response and you can like assess this doesn't fit for my body, that's fine. And I believe you and all that stuff. I just want to like remove stigma from food because food's just fuel and it's all neutral. But what's interesting is I used to struggle with like feeling super dizzy, super faint. I like thought I had adrenal fatigue. I was so tired all the time. Um, and I was by the book doing everything right. Like I was eating chicken and broccoli and doing yoga multiple times a day because I was teaching at the time and all this stuff. And in hindsight, I can now see that I was like in the, like I was in my eating disorder at the time and I was eating quote unquote so well that I was not eating well. Like I was not eating enough. I was not eating what, you know there were, I was basically starving. And so even though I did not appear to be starving and I appeared to be doing everything right. And I was, you know, doing all of the, you know, the green smoothies and the everything, it was not nearly enough fuel for my body. So then I was having that type of a response, but anyways, that's just, uh, just sharing for the sake of destigmatizing food. That's really all it comes to. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with nachos unless they actually are making you sick, I guess. It's just that's just it. But I can empathize as far as just not feeling like you're in a place where you are serving your body's highest needs. I'm pretty sure they made me sick. I woke up this morning feeling a lot worse. <laughs> I, they you know and they very well may have. Um yeah. just uh Anyways, like I said, just just the polar. It, it's 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 interesting, I guess, how our body can communicate to us, um, and our interpretation is it or not. I guess mm-hmm. do you know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as it's sometimes it's communicating, and we think we know what it is. Like, I thought I had adrenal fatigue, but I had an eating disorder. <laughs> <laughs> like, so yeah. it was, but it was trying. It's like, hey, I'm tired. Hey, I need stuff. And I was thinking all this stuff was happening. Meanwhile, was that was not what was the problem. And even when you're in a, like an eating disorder state, all energy is kind of being focused on food or the lack of food and like the exclusion of food. So the your your constantly energy is being put out. Too. Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. it was funny because when I was nearing, I don't say the end of it. When I was approaching recovery, let's call it that. Um, I like it was like this weird like blanket of logic kind of coated my brain. I was like, 
like this is what you're thinking about all the time is just like how much you ate if you ate too much if you ate like the right thing that you didn't eat the right thing that you had too many bites of that and not enough bites of this or you know you shouldn't have eaten this or this actually made you you know feel joy heaven forbid like there was just so much stuff and I was like man I wonder what I could think about if I wasn't thinking about food all the time and that you know, and trying to plan every meal so that it was perfect and it looked perfect and and I was perfect. And oh man. And I was just like, how smart would you be if you thought of other things? Like, what could you accomplish if your brain did different stuff? Like, so yeah, anyways, that was a was an interesting cloud to be in for sure. But oh, uh, anyways, I'm very sorry to hear that your tummy's not happy. And Drina is a lovely, grounded individual. I love that you said grounded because I was going to be like, she is like the walking earth element. She is just like, she's like a little anchor. If you are a, if you identify as a balloon, she is an anchor. (laughs) She's great. Um, Did you teach her? Was she in your teacher training? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. I have taught her like she's been in my class before Mm -hmm. and I have been taught by her. Um, but <laughs> this was I, my first real class with her. Oh, she's so great. Yeah. I've been like, we've been passing like ships in the night and I'm so glad. Like she's been a student of mine a few times. She was actually a student of mine when I first started to teach. And I think that it was probably the first day of my period. So I had no brain cells left. And I just remember being like, that was awful. <laughs> And she was like, that was so amazing. And she was, she was wicked. And yeah, I've always loved her ever since because she supported me when I was just starting. She's, she is very, uh, yes, very supportive Mm because I have also found she's, she's really good at being your hype girl. So she's like very grounding and then very like, you can do it. Best cheerleader ever. Yeah. This podcast is dedicated to Drina. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell her. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like the, the stresses and, um, I'm not sure where this podcast will air probably next week. Hey, and we just had the new moon in Pisces and that came through, sorry to hijack this, but this is another thing that happened, um, is that I am also, uh, born under the Pisces sun and being in a new moon in Pisces, there's lots that came up for me around and I I chatted about this in the priestess path I really leaned into those guys for this day and on Monday I think it was Monday me and you chatted too we were supposed to get together for a podcast but my heart was heavy and I just couldn't I was really sad and it was that I realized how much I'd been avoiding what I thought I healed And it made me feel like a fraud. And I was like, wow, actually, this needs to be complete. That needs to be complete. And you're just being a coward and not doing any of those things. And then I was like, but I teach this stuff. How can this be happening? And then I I remembered that I was human. (laughs) And, (laughs) And everything made sense. And it was just like, I don't know, this, this new moon really really brought up a lot of stuff to the surface that I'm avoiding like a hot stove. Like just, if it doesn't come near me, 
I'll just keep it over there. But it also keeps me in a low grade of stress the whole time because I know it's there. And I just have to turn towards it. And um, my girlfriend's mom always says, facing the dragon and taming, you don't have to tame the dragon. You just have to face the dragon. And I think that I'm going to take that advice. And maybe once I do that, my IBS will clear up. I've got another analogy for the same mm-hmm. thing. She says it in a far more, more poetic way. She has uh, very good ones. Like, this sounds like a you problem. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I use that um, one. Often. <laughs> I This is the analogy that uh, that I, I've uh, like come into or whatever when a sim- like similar stuff has come up is, go- is going, have you ever been to a restaurant and say it's like, it doesn't even matter if it's busy or it's not busy. And you sit down and no one says hello. No one acknowledges you. No one sees you. No one, whatever. And 15 minutes could pass, like five minutes could pass, 20 minutes. Like if some ambiguous time passes, but you feel like you have been like, so then when this person finally comes, you're mad. Like you're like, I have been ignored. <laughs> and you feel mad versus you sit down and the, you know, waitress or person sees you and they're like, you know, give you a nod or something. Maybe they pass by your table and go, hey, I'm just really occupied at the moment. Thanks for waiting. I'll be right with you. And then you wait some time. They come back and go, hey, I know you're being, you know, patient. Thanks for waiting. I'll be right with you. It's just really busy back here. Whatever, whatever. You could wait much longer with that acknowledgement of your existence than when you're just ignored. And that to me would be like the, the dragon thing too. It's just like, it's just going like, I see you, you're there. Cause it's validating in a way. And that, but it, you don't have to deal with it if you're not, cause sometimes you can't like the, if the waitress has like 78 tables and I've been that waitress, <laughs> like it's going like, I want to deal with you so bad. I want to come and take your drink order. I want to get this on the way, but I have like all of this other stuff that I'm still kind of like, that's on my plate. And I think that like another thing that I've noticed coming up in readings lately too, is, is like this kind of that people aren't validating that uh, they think it's nothing. It's not nothing. And that's what I keep talking about, but that nothing is a reason. So if like, if you, if I asked you for coffee, Mel, and you know, I was like, Hey, let's go for coffee on Saturday. And in your head you go, well, I don't, you know, I don't have anything Saturday, but I don't want to go, but I don't have anything. So I guess I should go. No, the nothing is enough of a reason to not go. Like if you, if you just don't, want to go it doesn't you have obligations with yourself or you have plans with yourself or whatever so i would kind of argue if if this thing that you are not unpacking at this time or whatever it's not that you're not doing it for no reason or necessarily avoiding it it's that it's just maybe their timing is not right maybe the tools that you are equipped with at this time are not what you need to work with this in this moment maybe you have some tools need recharging or batteries or do you know what I mean? So it, is it like, is it complete avoision or aversion? Avoision? I know avoid. what you mean. Cause those are all the things I've been telling myself that aren't true. <laughs> those are cause I really, all I'm avoiding is closure and pain. And I know inevitable pain is coming, but it's coming regardless. It's coming now or it's coming later. It's not. And, um, I just say, it's not important to me. You know, it's, um, 
it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. We're non-conflict, all this stuff. And then what is really it is about is, is knowing that there's pain there, that it's potential failure, uh, stirs up a lot of things that were like, I could use your restaurant analogy. It's like, I'm, I see it. I'm getting to it. I will at some point, or they will at some point. And it's like, nope, this is actually, this is a me problem. This is something that I do need to look at head on. And in order to move through this wound, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it just brought up so much stuff, so much stuff. So I've definitely been using all the analogies. And then that new moon was like, not anymore, Melanie, <laughs> you, it's time for you to put on your big girl pants and, um, not be scared of pain, which I know when we experience pain, that those are some of the biggest changes that have ever happened in my life. And so am I avoiding something good coming from that and yeah can be busy <laughs> get busy i mean avoiding pain makes sense that's why none of us do our own brazilian waxes <laughs> oh hard. my god i have tried and yeah nope <laughs> how, I mean? like, how do i get this off now <laughs> it's it's equally it's like the emotional version of a self brazilian wax it's yes it's it is hard and i'd st- i'd still i dare to go make sense make sense why you don't want to do it i guess oh, 100%. but 100% it's um anyways but i guess it's just i i'm just really probing for self-compassion is all yeah oh I and I am compassionate towards myself I'm compassionate to all parties involved for sure and it is like yeah it is it's just time and yeah there's gonna be stuff there's gonna be there's gonna be stuff it's so funny because so one of my um commitments to self in the last mm, couple years I guess has been um okay, I'm going to practice walking into uncomfortable conversations or I'm going to practice like not dodging things that make me feel icky or whatever. Mm. It's funny because I have had, like, it sounds cheesy to say blessing, but I'm going to use that word. I've had the blessing to get a couple opportunities to flex this, um, you know, new endeavor or whatever. And one of these instances was really funny because the way that it worked out, it worked out, it, it ended positively. There was no, like, it was fine. It was good. It was like, it was a perfect practice arena. There was, there was nothing, there was no fallout. There was, it was just an uncomfortable conversation that actually just turned out fine. And it was interesting though, to observe it because it turned out fine. It didn't become like, you know, emotionally charged. Therefore there wasn't, you know, there was regulated nervous systems. It was fine. But what was interesting was I was able then to sit back and go, huh, okay, so good job on, you know, not avoiding hard conversations or not avoiding things that make you uncomfortable. So we get a high five for that. But now there's a whole factor here was like, was it productive? Because I actually walked away from going, I don't know if that did anything like or improved it. And again, I'm not trying to speak to your situation. It was just, I'm just sharing from like stepping into this like, new space for me because I'm like an avoider of things. I'm like, oh, let's just I'll just sweep that under something and we'll deal with that. Never, you know. 
And so now I'm like, oh, there's a whole, like, there's factors here where sometimes having, the, you know, an uncomfortable conversation, there's like, oh, now that has to be coupled with like detachment from an outcome or a goal or whatever, because you might not reach that goal. So I then had to like refocus and go, okay, so now I'm just, I guess I just have to be happy that I communicated myself or that I said what I feel or I spoke up or, I, you know your the victories that I had to claim were different than what I thought they were supposed to look like, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think that sometimes uncomfortable conversations we build up in our heads and then when it's nothing, it's like, okay. <laughs> that was pretty much easy. Did you find it easy? No. It okay. just wasn't it was just a good practice, Serena. Like it was just, uh, it wasn't that hard of a conversation. It, but it also didn't end the way I anticipated it ending, kind of a thing. Like it didn't resolve anything. Having that conversation didn't do anything. It kind of yeah. left everything the same. So that, and that I wasn't prepared for. I was like, no, I did the big girl thing. I confronted the issue. I like mm-hmm. took it head on, brought it to the surface. And I'm like, well, how are we still, how is everything still kind of the same? <laughs> Yeah. So it was that was more what was interesting to me. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Well, we had goals here. The goals were not met. What okay, so what were the wins? The wins I, you know, overcame my, you know, ha- habit of dodging, like of, you know, not doing and and to be fair, like I have had uncomfortable conversations and then be productive. So this is just yeah, you know, uh I don't want to say it's an isolated event, but it was just a variation of events that I was like, oh, I didn't consider this option. Um, mm-hmm. one of my kids is like the he's so hard to discipline or give trouble to because he immediately goes yeah no I yeah I see it I understand and then you're like I feel so heard I feel so seen and then nothing changes <laughs> like, yeah it's 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 atrocious because you're like every time you're like I think he gets it no <laughs> it's like refined gaslighting (laughs) yeah oh totally yeah but you feel so seen heard and understood in the moment and then yeah let's carry on yeah I that that's a good way that's like a I wonder if that's a strategy to just make someone go bananas you know it's like I'm gonna slowly drive you (laughs) it's an ingrained people pleaser thing and which is why being a people pleaser can be like, I actually don't like to deal with people pleasers very, I actually don't. I find people pleasers scary uh, because they never say how they actually feel. And it's constantly, you you have to be in your constant like uh, stress and assess nervous system is like what's actually happening here. Um, So people pleasers, I I know you're out there and I know you think that people love you for it, but you're actually stressing us out. stressing people out it's like like a layering of people pleasing things like like because really if if we don't know where they stand or where you stand we're actually it's like triggering our people pleasing (laughs) like right the or just not knowing like if you were just forward and said how you feel then you can decide okay that either we have to make a change or this isn't working or something. But if you have to be the one who's constantly assessing and trying to understand the people pleaser, it's just such wasted energy and it's exhausting. 
Um, and I think that people pleasers then also tend to hold it in until it erupts. And that's the scary part. That's the part that I'm like, I don't trust this. I don't want anything to do with this because if I can't read your signals that you think you're sending, um, it makes it a very unsafe place for me. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. The, the, the term that I like adopted or learned this year was emotional labor and just yeah. realizing how much emotional labor it is to like, like, I just, I'm not good at picking ironically, right? It's you do like psychic work or intuitive work. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but I'm not good at picking up on passive aggressiveness. I might just write it off as you being crabby, but I don't know why. I won't necessarily assume it's me. I used to always assume it was me. That wasn't a lot better. So I'm like, now I've like gone, well, I will assume you are just crabby unless you tell me it's about me. Um, and actually in this particular situation, I was like, okay, this is like a new, I, I, you know, brought something to light. And then I was like, okay, to myself, I was like, I think I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have you tell me like when you're, when you're upset, I'm going to trust you to tell me because I, you know, tackling this just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And, and it's not your responsibility. Like it comes down to allowing people to be, um, and I think that this is what freed me from trying to work uh, like endlessly with people pleasers because I was like, oh, they're just trying so hard for love, you know? But it's like, no, <laughs> you like it, it, knowing what's on the other side of that is that that emotional labor that goes involved into it. It's not an equal energy exchange. And there's a reason why people are like, yep, you know that all oh, Betty or whatever, she just tells it like it is, you know, you know what she's thinking, how she's feeling. And it's like peace. <laughs> you can be at peace around her. Um, she may get after you, but you're going to know it, right? You're going to know it and not wake up at 1030 at night going, Ooh, I just caught that little like hidden innuendo or, you know, you always pick it up so much later. Mm-hmm. And then that, like you sit there and stew on it. Oh, I could have done this or I couldn't done that. And I just don't think getting to the point where we have to allow people to be emotionally responsible for themselves. And I, and I teach that in, in the, the energy work trainings is we are not responsible for other people's emotions and how they perceive things. Their perception is, is their journey just as yours is like, Oh, someone's passive aggressive. You don't see it because you're not, you don't deal with things in a passive aggressive way. Right. It's not your lens. Uh, yeah, let's say that. No, yeah. definitely <laughs> practicing not using my yeah. passive aggressiveness. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, how I miss that, or I'll catch it, but I, I don't, I won't draw the conclusion that you probably are trying to make. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, but you, but you're right, it is like a. And I will probably turn it over in my head a bit and go, Later. what did that mean? And even that, I don't, um, it kind of goes back to the eating disorder conversation. It's like, this is not the stuff I want to use my brain for. Like my brain is a sacred, beautiful space. And I want to use it to like build things and create things and and envision and dream. And I just, I don't want to use it picking apart if you saying words in a certain order indicated that I dropped the ball on something when I would really just much rather you say, hey, you kind of dropped the ball on something. And I could be like, ah, oops, you know, sorry, my bad. I, I purposefully ignore passive aggressiveness. 
I, I'm, I'm starting to purpose to ignore it. If I pick it up, I'm I starting think, to ignore. Yeah. I think that the more people purposefully ignore passive aggressiveness, the more it catapults people into their truth, right? It's if, if we aren't out there trying to like help people pussyfoot around their, their truth, then they are going to have to speak. And so I, even though I'm like, I see what you're doing, but I'm going to take it at surface level because <laughs> that's how you gave it to me. And I'm not going to do anything different with it for the most part. There are some people, you know, you can do it with most people, but they will be like that one person <laughs> that gets you. It'll be the least likely. It's, it is tricky because, um, like there's, so there's one relationship in my life where I, there is like a passive aggressive theme mm. and I know it's because of well along with like mutual qualities that I also show up with but what I've assessed from this other person is just like you know whatever insecurities or um like a history like the where they came from how they were raised like there's like so many factors and I can like chalk up a lot of their behaviors to those factors um but I'm also like really committed to that relationship. And so there's like ignoring. And then sometimes there's almost like pointedly not ignoring and instead taking what they said and bringing it up and going, Hey, you said this, like, what does this mean? Or what do you, what do you, what, this is what I'm hearing when you said this, is that what you meant to say? Like, kind of like, like putting it right front and center. And I think, in this person, like, as I know, this can also be a way to like unbuckle like narcissistic behavior. I don't, I wouldn't say this person is narcissistic, but I would say that they themselves are not brave enough to bring that up front and center and put it on the table. And I'm trying to now be brave enough to pick it up and put it on the table because I have noticed if I bring it up and put it on the table, then they'll talk about it. But if they don't want to bring it up, put it on the table themselves. And so I am definitely back and forth on how many times I should be picking it up and putting it on the table versus like ignoring. Yeah. Anyways, it's like, it's just tricky because. And I, I don't mind asking for clarity. Like when I say I purposefully ignore it, it is like, I'm just going to take it at face value. Yeah. And if I have a question about it at face value, I will ask the question at yeah. face value. Is like, what is it? So I think that that's, I think that's valid. I really, I think that dealing with a passive aggressive person or a people pleasing, um, so those two go hand in hand. They sure do. <laughs> they sure do. Uh, you know, um, and even someone who may like tell everyone else the problem, but the source. And uh, I, yeah. I find that really counterproductive, but then you'll look at, you'll, you'll zoom out and look at the whole lifescape of that person and everything is counterproductive. <laughs> so you're like, it's not just about me. It's literally about everything. So I'll, I'll definitely ask a pointed question with no uh, emotion attached to it for sure. Yeah. That's, I think that that's really smart mm -hmm. and it's definitely a good practice as far as it's and it's a hard one for me because it's usually one of those uncomfortable conversations. Like bringing that up is like usually like me having to be like, okay, let's, okay, let's put this on the table so I can, you know, because it's usually hearing unpleasant things about myself. So it's not, it's not usually like a conversation I'm super keen to open up. But yeah, all right, let's do it. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. When you know you're going to get negative or whatever, some feedback that you don't want to hear because you already have it running in your own storyline is like, you don't have to tell me, I'll just start. Let me tell you everything that's bad about myself. And then (laughs) I can't hear it from the outside. Yeah. It's, it's true. It is really hard. I think that, and that's been another kind of like quest for me the last you know, a few years is kind of like, I have been doing a lot of like integrating of the qualities of myself I don't like. And it is really hard to sit there and look them in the face every day. And then to have them validated by someone externally is just, just like, it's just like pushing into something that's already leaking and hurting. And yeah, it's, that's, it's like tricky. So, you know, I'm hoping that this is leading somewhere positive mm-hmm. <laughs> still the wound's still really open it's been a yeah. couple of years and it's definitely still bleeding so I don't really know if I'm approaching it the right way but and I, I do think that that's the endless pursuit of perfection is that we never have to hear from someone from the outside that we're doing something wrong that we're wrong in some ways like if we can just drive to be perfect instead of just waking up every morning and going I'm going to piss someone off today. I'm going to say something stupid. I'm probably going to have to apologize. Maybe they'll think thoughts about me. And just starting your day with like, yeah, that's bound to happen because we aren't like, again, lenses. We aren't always going to see the same through everybody's eyes. And um, I think that's hard. And it's hard for uh, people who have always served to, to gain love. So people who are like doers for love. I think it's hard when people have feedback about you and it's something that you already know. I'm always shocked. Like if it's something that I didn't know, then I'm like curious and interested. But if it's something that I did know, I'm seriously pissed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, ah, I'm just, I've just been over here trying to figure out how to do life with no, like perfectly. I'm like, can I, can I just do this? Without that. feedback. I don't yeah. want any feedback. I just we want... We just like... I want to be perfect. Signs. No feedback, please. <laughs> I but already it's, know. It's it's not even... Well, it is the feedback. But it's it's like, mm-hmm. I just don't want to fail. And, and I'm, I know that that's a, like another yeah. mountain to climb as far as like failure that's is fine. the point, Tanya. Like I've had conversations with myself about this. I'm like, you are supposed to fail... Because that's yeah. the point. Like you don't, like when you walk, you're learning to walk. You you only learn to walk because you fall over so many times. So you figure out how to, you know, get that balance going. Like failure is the point. The muscle doesn't actually grow until you push it to the point of failure. Like the failure is the point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the 10 successful reps that did it. It wasn't the 10 yeah. times that you pulled that muscle up or pulled that weight up that that was like what created growth, it was the time you couldn't do it. I know mm-hmm. this. My brain knows this. I still want to just be perfect. <laughs> and at the end of failure, I think when we fear failure to the point like that's literally my stress, um, when we fear failure, we are actually fearing not being worthy of love. Right. Like at the end of the day, it comes down to that I I don't deem myself worthy if I'm a failure. There's some loss of one of our most important, what do they call those? (laughs) There's uh, like community love, 
acceptance, like the hierarchy, oh, hierarchy needs, of human of needs. needs. Yeah. Yeah. And being loved and accepted is at the top, right? If we're not dying of starvation or dehydration, feeling loved, accepted and valued is probably one of our biggest needs. And I think that for me, that fear of failure is like, I'm just not worthy. Yeah, I can relate for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if I got to run though, um, another stressor full day ahead. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Spiritual Boss Podcast. We appreciate you being an emotional outlet for us today. <laughs> If you wish to get in touch with us, please contact us on Instagram. You can also email the spiritual boss podcast or no, it's just spiritual boss podcast at gmail.com. Uh, peace in, peace out.